Welcome to What a Ride with Rupert Guinness and Aaron Esley. I'm Aaron Esley. And I'm Rupert Guinness. And we are recording live once again here at the Lord Dudley here in Sydney, Australia. Um, one of our favorite uh, haunts. Rup, uh, an absolutely big week here. Uh, you're heading off in literally just a few hours to the Tour de France. That's right, Aaron. Um, looking forward to this year's tour. It's going to be, uh, well, exciting as every year. It looks like it's going to be a cracker tour, but that's partly hope, partly uh, the excitement for the race. But I really do believe this year's tour, uh, with the big four contenders for overall, and I'm sure some others will have a say that they would like to see themselves in that four. Uh, you know, you've got Contador, Quintana, um, Froome, and Nibali. But um, as we heard, TJ Van Garderen thinks he can be up there on the podium as well, so maybe he may think it should be a big five, well, but anyway. Absolutely. Going back, you've been covering the sport for some 30 years. When's the last time you've seen a field so deep of general classification contenders? Well, um, gee, I, I was rattling my brain the other night about that, but... Uh, uh, That's that noise I heard. It is. is there's <laughs> something in there, a loose bolt somewhere. <laughs> but in actual fact, um, perception goes a long way because uh, I read an article by John Wilcoxon in Peloton magazine uh, where he actually sort of... Uh, um, I, I didn't necessarily agree with every point he made, but he did make reference to like uh, a couple of the uh, previous tours where we've had, um, you know, when, when Fignon's been in the tour and uh, uh, Delgado, Le Monde, and I mean, they were pretty deep fields too. You know, you had four, there were a couple of years there uh, in the 80s where there were, um, you know, four contenders. So it's easy how history can sort of get forgotten in a way. Um, so, but certainly this is... Uh, you know, this is a this is a crackerjack uh, field for sure. No problem at all. Yeah, of course, last week we actually talked about Phil Anderson and, and the Australian who became the first non-European to wear the the yellow jersey. Now, he didn't win it, but he was the first to wear it. And we talked about what a difference that would be if he accomplished such a feat today with the with the advent and the popularity of social media. Uh, it goes back to what you were saying just then that. Uh, again, history kind of forgets itself, but maybe more is being made of this because there is just so much more exposure, and obviously the sport is probably more popular than it's ever been. Yeah, it's certainly much more internationalized anyway. So I think you know it's it's uh, you know and I'm, I mean, like I said, I'm also correcting myself on on what I thought was I think I might have said either here on Water Ride or I might have said it at a I spoke at a, a dinner the other night at Eastern Suburbs Cycling Club in Sydney, and uh, I was saying I think this is the uh, you know the greatest uh, depth of overall contenders I've seen, you know, since I can remember covering the tour. Uh, but obviously, I'd forgotten a few, uh, few tours. So you know, we all, you know, we're all open to that. But it's, exactly, it just shows the power of history and how it can forget itself. Um, and I just think with the information overload there is now, um, you know, poor little brains like mine can't can only handle so much at a time. Uh, do you have a you have a quick race? pre-race favourite? Do you have one that you, just stands out to you as the as the one to beat, or is it just just way too early to tell? Uh, I think it's always way too early, but you've always got to put your name on you got to put your name on the line somewhere. But I've got a um, you know I think uh, Quintana is the guy. Um, you know there's there's only if you can get through the first minimise his losses in the first stage time trial and get through the first week safely. I think the the tour is great for him. But one thing... Well, that, that being said, though, is that because you feel he is by far the better rider for this race, or is it because he'll have the fresher legs of, of, of the other other riders? Well, he may not necessarily have the fresher legs because Chris Froome's got the less racing yeah. in his legs. So um, but I just think he, uh, you know, that, uh, that extra percentage of having not won the tour yet, so that hunger will be there. Um, I like his team, Movistar. I think... You know, and they're not, they're not a team of stars, but just put them together, the old cliche, put them together, they're, they're a strong, loyal, reliable team. Um, although it would be interesting to see whether the Valverde-Quintana uh, aspect, you know, how that plays out. I still wouldn't be surprised at hearing that a lot of, you know, there's a lot of support through the heart for Valverde within the team, where even though the brain may say we've got to go for um, Quintana. So that may be something that could go against him. Um, just one other factor that I think is really important is the... Uh, uh, with with Nibali, um, huge uh, importance for him, um, not just to win it outright, but to also win it and show that last year's win was was uh, was a commanding win, not just on the time that he had on the on the other two guys on the podium last year with Froome and Contador having crashed out, um, but also, uh, you know, I think Nibali's going to really relish the first week. He's he's as exposed to the dangers of crashing in that nervous first week with the cobbles and narrow roads and stuff, but. Um, 
he can embrace that challenge. So that he won't be nervous about it, as we saw last year, the cobblestone stages where he made you know some significant time. Um, and uh, I think he will be enjoying that uh, coming into it, knowing that the other guys like Contador Froome and and um, Quintana could be pretty nervous about it. Now, of course, as we record this, actually a day earlier than normal, because obviously you're, uh, you'll be heading out shortly. I'll be heading to China in two days for the Tour of Qinghai Lakes. Talking about the, the Tour de France, though, as we record this again, there's been some preliminary rosters that have been put out there over the last two or three days. Nothing final yet. Most of those teams will be making the announcements, including Orca Green Edge, the Australian World Tour team, tomorrow in London, which will be Tuesday. Um, any anything that you're thinking, any surprises that may happen? I talked to Matty White earlier uh, in the week and talked to him about the Yates brothers mm-hmm. and, uh, and their possible, cl- uh, you know, inclusion. Um, the only thing he said for sure was that Esteban Chavez would definitely be in Colombia, uh, resting up for the Vuelta, as would C- Canadian Christian Meyer. Uh, so those were the only two definites that he gave me would not be on the team. Any, anything that you're you're thinking? You said there, were, there wouldn't be as many Australians this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Does that surprise you? Um, look, I don't. Not not at all. Because I think that the team, it's an Australian team, and and um, and we shouldn't lose our attachment for from what I'm about to say. But um, it's also a team. It's it's an international team as well. Um, yeah, I don't believe in quotas. I think you've got to put in the Tour de France. It's such a big race. It's so important, and and, and every rider and every team is at their top level. You can't afford. I don't believe to get bang for your buck out of your team that you can um, um, compromise its strength by going on a quarter, quota of whether how many from the home nation are in it or not. I think you've just got to put the best riders out there for what you want, what you want to achieve for that tour, whether it's an overall classification or stage wins or the green jersey or whatever. You've got to put the very best team out there. Um, one assumes when you do your roster to begin with, you've got all, everyone on your roster are all people that you want to have watching your back, no matter whether they're Spanish or Italian or Australian, you know, they're your teammates. One thing he did mention was that, obviously, there would be fewer Australians on this team, but it would be, quite honestly, the best Grand Tour team they've ever assembled. Yeah, look, I uh, believe it's going to be a, it's a very good team. Um, you know, it's, it's one which will be equipped uh, for, uh, you know, for those early couple of weeks, or for the early sort of week and ten days. They'll always be for the favourites for the stage nine time, team time trial. Then you get into the halfway point of the tour, and then you're looking at the mountains. And um, you know, with the Yates brothers there, I think it's a great experience for them. So, so does that mean you think that the, both Yates brothers will? will uh, Matt go? White told me back in March they would definitely go. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. It's he, told me, he told me back in March. I mean, you know, obviously you have to back up your, you know, a word like that by you know uh, having the form and. Um, and preparation, and of but course, those kids—say uh, kids—they're they're, they're young men. They're what, twenty-two years of age 22, now. Twenty-two, twenty-two. Um, you know, and they're both coming in with uh, reasonable, you know, with good form. Obviously, uh, Simon Yates got uh, fifth in the Criterium de Dauphine. That now, Adam, his 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 brother, his, yeah. his identical twin, yeah. actually had crashed earlier in the year, broke, mm. breaking his finger, mm. required surgery. Not quite in the form that maybe Simon no. is, but it's going to take a few weeks before the tour. Well, another week before the, the tour starts, and a couple more weeks until it goes uphill. Yeah, exactly. And, and the important thing is, you know, he started the year with his ninth in Torino Adratico, and then broke, you know hurt his finger. He raced the Criterium de Dauphine. Obviously, his brother Simon was doing well. He came, I think, Adam third, came, third on, the, on the youth podium. Yeah, 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 and fifth overall. And yeah. and uh, Adam, I mean, at that point, obviously, Adam was doing his best to. He, he finished twentieth on GC. Um, but he's riding for his for his brother, and so you think he's he's going to come in strong. And as you said, Aaron, he can uh, ride into that top end form for the for the third week where it'll count. Well, you know, you're exactly right, and, that, mm-hmm. and I think that's the thing that's going to be so dynamic and interesting for the Australian fans, at least, is that you said it earlier. The, the Oregon Green Edge has always done quite well with the individual time trials. Mm-hmm. They've done very well in the first couple of weeks on the flat to intermediate stages, but now they've actually got. Not just a one-punch, but a, a one-two double threat system going into that third week when it goes uphill. Yeah, yeah. But they won't be going for GC. Won't be going for overall classification. That would be, I think, uh, it's, yeah, it's too early to expect that or demand that of, uh, of the Yates twins. I mean, it's, it's worth reminding that the Yates twins and, uh, as you said, uh, uh, Esteban Chavez, who, will be not do, who won't be doing the tour, but he'll be doing the Vuelta, they're seen as the three guys within Oracle Green Edge who could develop from within as Grand Tour contenders 
and they've also come from that seed of the culture that's already there without having to import someone from outside, in which case they'd have to change everything around and get new bed sheets and all that sort of stuff, you know. Absolutely. But of course, as a reminder, uh, Simon Yates did race the Tour last year. They pulled him out two weeks into it deliberately. Yeah, but interestingly, uh, he was pretty uh, pissed off about yeah, it. Exactly. And then why do you said, I'm glad? Yeah. Because I'd hate to see him if he yeah. was like, oh, right, I want to go to the beach now. Because he, you know, he's got that fire. Yeah, know, fire well, you know. the, and, and of course, Adam did not race the Tour last year, raced the Vuelta instead. Mm. But uh, one thing that uh, Matt White told me earlier this week was that basically these guys aren't afraid of anyone or anything. No, not at all, not at all. They're not. It's interesting that, uh, you know, the Oracle Green Edge are having their um, team announcement in London. Uh, so obviously they're you know they're actually they realise one huge massive uh, media opportunity for Oregon Green Edge to do a public launch uh, in in London, um, which makes me think are there are there other issues, are there not issues are there other elements to that story at all? I mean it's interesting that British tie, you know the, the team's always looking for new sponsors. You just wonder whether it's is there something linked anyway. But certainly I think uh, for the fact that these two brothers will be able to get a. Uh, a lot of attention media, English media attention. Um, it'll be good for the team, good for them, um, and uh, I'm sure we put through the grill. It'll be interesting to see how the, how they are come the official pre-tour press conferences in Utrecht. Are they exhausted from answering some all the same questions again? Absolutely. Well, of course, um, we're going to talk more about the Tour de France, more about Oregon Green Edge, potentially more about the Yates brothers, and and obviously the, the, a lot of road nationals over the weekend as well, including the British. Uh, road nationals. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Look forward to it.
And we're back with more What a Ride with Rupert Guinness and Aaron S. Lee on the Australian Broadcast Media Network. I am Aaron S. Lee. And I'm Rupert Guinness. You thought I ducked off then, didn't you? No, absolutely. He's a busy <laughs> man, buddy. Uh, listen, we were obviously talking about the Tour de France. You can't help but talk the Tour de France. Um, you're leaving just literally within a couple of hours uh, for, for three weeks to cover the race. Or four weeks, really. Four weeks, yeah. Um, I'll be leaving for China, for Qinghai Lakes, um, on Wednesday night. It's a 13-stage race. Uh, they're the UCI Asia Tour uh, 2HC. So I'll be over in the Asia Tour. We will still be bringing you... Plenty of water ride over the next few weeks, so please stay tuned. Again, Australian Broadcast Media Network, Radio Sydney, 36 FM stations, 200 digital, and available for download on your phone. We were talking about the uh, Tour Down Under, or excuse me, Tour de France, <laughs> and uh, thinking about the Tour Down Under. It has been a long season. We talked about that the other day. Um, you know, when you look at this past weekend, there was a lot of action going on with the Road Nationals. Any surprises out of that, especially a lot of revolving around the British cycling the, the British Road Race Championships. Yeah, uh, well, Pete Kinnick, uh, you know, defended his title. Absolutely. He's had a good year this year. He's had, and, uh, you know, I remember seeing him uh, when he was down in uh, in Adelaide and uh, had a good chat with him then and uh, about how he want, hoped that the season to pan out and, uh, he, you know, he's talking about how much he's enjoying his racing now and everything and, uh, you know, then he had a good ride at the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race and uh, just sort of been tracking along ever since then, but he, uh, yeah, no, no, that's a terrific win by him. I mean, you know, and uh, you know, Mark Cavendish rode very well in that race as well, which is kind of a, a good indicator of the form he's coming into the Tour de France with as well. Um, but Pete Kenyuk, you know, I think he's a he's a uh, he's a spirited rider. He's not shy of having a dig and going on the attack. You know, no, absolutely, absolutely. You know? you know, a little, a couple of days earlier was the time trial, and with Alex Dowsett, who briefly held. Well, it was obviously broken by Sir Bradley Wiggins uh, a few few weeks later. Um, Alex Dowsett winning his fourth individual time, time trial national mm-hmm. championship. A bit of uh, controversy there. A few okay. minutes ago, I just left the bike shop. Now, the British Cycling uh, Federation put out a media release afterwards saying that Alex Dowsett tied Stuart Dangerfield's record of four individual time trials. Well, Stuart Dangerfield, British champion, Olympic 2004 Olympian, who replaced was a replacement of David Miller mm-hmm. uh, back in uh, Athens, mm-hmm. um, t- two-time Commonwealth Games rider. I bumped into him here in Sydney. He lives here in Sydney with his family, and and he said uh, they got it incorrect. You mean he's blown up? He's had a stink. There's a stink. Yeah, a, a bit. And he was a bit upset that uh, in fact that he has won the the national title six times. Well, that's a big difference. It's isn't a it? huge difference. And of course we put in as we do, as we did with the Ann Gripper story last week. Mm-hmm. We're on top of things here at What a Ride. Yep. And I put in a request, obviously it was midnight when I did. I I'm chasing that story up as we speak to find out where's the where's the confusion? Is it with British cycling or is it with uh, Stuart Danger <laughs> Stuart Danger done- the men they call Danger. Now he did say he does have the trophies. He has the medals. He's got his name on it, so he knows. He said. Uh, he said the funny thing is, and we went to the British Cycling website just to, to verify on the results. There were no past results for the time trial at all on the site, but we did see on Wikipedia that they did result. They had the, showed the results from back to 1997. So. Uh, perhaps the media officer at British Cycling is using Wikipedia to verify their facts. Mm. <laughs> wouldn't well, be the first time we've seen it. Wouldn't that. be the first time uh, for a lot of things that. Uh, <laughs> but I think, um, uh, interesting though, I mean, see, this is when you really need to go back to one of the old magazines. I mean, too bad the magazine I used to work for, Winning Magazine, doesn't exist. Because we'd have to have those, re- you know, we'd have those records. Uh, Cycling Weekly may have uh, have those records. Oh, you know, you, you, you're, you're putting t- out an APB to. to Anyone out there All listening? Cycling historians. Yes, please. Please uh, um, get in touch with What a Ride. Hashtag What a Ride. Who's right? <laughs> the BCF or Stuart Dangerfield? Absolutely. You know, that, that kind of reminds me. You know, we both go back quite a, again, 30 year uh, journalism career, 20 year. I mean, I can, for me, I can remember when uh, there was no such thing as we didn't have cell phones, we, we didn't have the, the, the smartphones, or what the hell, just getting into laptop computers. I remember calling stories in over a, over a payphone to a sub editor. Uh, after an event, um, that being said, you would probably remember the the cans and string era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Cans and string and. But but that being said, pigeons. You, you remember we used to have at least back in the states. I'm obviously I'm from I'm from the U S. Louisiana. Um, oh, really? yeah, absolutely. For those listening around the world, um, I am from the United States, and of course Rupert being born and bred here in New South. Well, actually, Wales. I was born in England. 
Were you really? No, you didn't know that. No, I, was, I didn't. I, I came out here when Breaking I was four. Story. I came out to Australia when I was four. No, no, no. A lot of people know that. Nah. So it's best. Well, that explains the Union Jack tattoo. You. <laughs> that explains it. But you remember the days, though, when, uh, again, we used to get the almanacs, the sports mm. almanacs, that had the records, that had the yeah. previous years, yeah. and you just lived by that. Now you just get those USB sticks. Then you lose those. A lot going on. It's, uh, one of the guys that uh, we were talking about, the Australians going to the Tour de France, we're not sure yet, but I'm very, be very interested. Uh, by the time this does hit the air, you will know. Um, if Nathan Haas from Cannondale Garmin, uh, the, the Cameron, if he makes the team, uh, he has spent the last couple of weeks with, uh, with teammate Andrew Talansky, the American up in Andorra, mm-hmm. uh, at altitude about 2,000 meters. He's hoping to go. Um, uh, Nathan Haas has been up to a little, uh, up to his usual um, off-the-bike antics, and he's doing some different stuff. Now, he's one that's obviously a mountain biker turned roadie, uh, but he's he's known to, to croon a little bit on his YouTube channel with his guitar, including singing songs with his sister. But he's developed with a couple of other guys a a, a pro cycling playing card game. Yeah, and he's getting it out there. It's called Attack the Pack. So we want to we want to promote that out there. And uh, always good to see the cyclists doing something off the bike. Productive. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's a bit of you know forward thinking. And I mean, it's not necessarily planning for the afterlife of a ride, but it just shows that they can think out of the box, which will be important when they do retire. You know, so Nathan Hass is like that. You know, Adam Hansen, you know, with his shoes. Absolutely. You know, they're, 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 these guys are people who are thinking out of the box, and um, they're very much their own people. Um, and not only are they just the characters for us to write about, but I just think it's, it's, it's refreshing to see that, that they're, they're people who are thinking for themselves and... and uh, you know, just looking beyond just the uh, the front wheel in front of them. You know, we had a chance, uh, you had a chance uh, at the Giro d'Italia to really to, to, to kind of bank a few interviews for us for What a Ride, and we've been showcasing those over the last four weeks. Uh, one that we still have left in the in the vault, so to speak, is is uh, one Dan Jones. We talked about it last week that we would be airing this interview. Explain to the audience listening at home who Dan Jones is. Well, Dan Jones, uh, I mean, a lot of people will know who, who follow Oracle Green Edge and they do their uh, insi- insider's video, the backstage pass. So he was the creator, producer, um, the star. <laughs> no, but he does, you know, he gives other people their time in the, uh, in, under the spotlight. But he's, uh, you know, he, he, he's, he's taken, um, it was very important when Oracle Green Edge started, and I know Jerry Ryan, the owner, uh, was, was uh, wanting this, that the team was able to offer something new to the to its supporter base and not just in merchandising and stuff it needed to offer something new that was going to be workable on the internet and this something happened to be a window that backstage passes become you know into the team beyond just the stand up interviews and stuff like that it, you know Dan Jones through his um him being with the team full time you know he lives and breathes the team he's he's a part of the team you know and and so they're used to him being around and he's very good at um, you know filming the uh, the key intimate moments without being invasive as well, and so that helps the su- the supporters who are following the team to feel like they're seeing things unfold. And he's and he's very conscious of that, not being invasive, but he has to be um, inside there, you know. And, and being inside the way he is, he really is able to bring out a lot of the personality in these riders. Mm. Oh, certainly, certainly. I think he. Um, you know, and that, you know, so it hasn't helped just for the video's sake. It's actually helped for the uh, the culture and atmosphere of the team. Um, you know, he, he knows how to. Uh, you know, it could be a, a moment where a light, a bit of lightness is needed. You know, he's very good at you know pressing which which button of which rider or which circumstance to, to be able to do that. Um, you know, he's he's yeah. So he's very much part of that team. And, and uh, so I had a chat to him uh, on the last day of the Giro, just as things were wrapping up. And usually at that time, uh, everyone's in good moods then because whether you won or lost or been beaten or uh, battered, bruised or whatever, um, you're just happy that day because it's, it's come to an end. And uh, there's a good chance for me to catch up with Dan just to get his take about uh, what he thinks about his job, where it'll take him in the future. Does he have any plans for the Tour de France? And what sort of little, uh, um, if he does have any special uh, um, insights that we're going to see uh, during the Tour? Um, why he's a mad AFL fan slash Hawks, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm a rugby guy. I can't wear those short shorts, but Dan obviously can. No, actually, Dan probably can't wear those short shorts. But anyway, he, um, uh, you know, he, he gave a good nice insight about you know life on the team and what he's doing and 
there's more to this man than uh, than meets the eye. Well, let's go to that interview now. More with uh, Rupert Guinness with Dan Jones. There we go. Well, I'm speaking Jones, the executive of many for Greenwich uh, and for water and how you're doing of a, a number, but uh, tell us how you're also we've got the timing up well after that gloncho there no I'm pretty cooked mate I'm coming down with a bit of a head uh, I think local gas for the rock staff is pretty full on uh, you know he's back so day I mean I'm on vapour but uh, time off France I'm out to Australia for or so be the family take it easy the, the big one in July so we're all pretty pumped about that mate I guess when you get back to Australia you're going to go and uh, try and pump up the, uh, the mighty hawks as well yeah exactly we're playing St Kilda next weekend and that my brother-in-law and he's uh, co-works the uh, kids into going for St Kilda so I think we'll uh, there's a bit of a family rivalry there group so now nah, pretty G for it mate. Hey Dan obviously with the backstage pass I mean it's given uh, uh, the, the followers of Africa Green Edge and also uh, the other teams and rivals uh, an insight an insider's view of how a team has not only operates day by day but how it's developed since its creation in 2012 can you tell us a bit how the idea came up and, and, and did you expect it to be as popular as it is now? Well basically it all came about, we, we had a cycling website before I started with this team I was cycling and the fundamental of that was the goal was I just wanted people to get to know the cyclists a bit better and I've never been driven by the actual cycling side of things, it's more the, the personalities and what makes these guys tick. Um, so when I started with the team, Jerry basically gave me a, a, a clean slate and said uh, you know, just remember that we're in the entertainment industry, you know, our category sport now section cycling and with a blueprint like that you know you pretty much got license to just go out and do whatever you want and and for me like I'd done a couple of cycling docos before so the backstage pass concept was just an evolution of that and I thought well I want to see if I can possibly do this with a quick turnaround like do them every day um, and I first started that with Tour of California um, back in 2012 and we did the week there and got through it alright we'll try it for the tour and in terms of the reception I just knew with the characters that we had that um, it probably would get a bit of a cult following and uh, I said to the guys when I very first started with the team like this is this whole thing is going to be driven by one thing and that's trust you know if they, if they get to trust me and trust what I'm doing then I can be on the buses I can sort of get in the inner sanctum but they know I won't abuse that and that's the, that's the thing that I probably treasure the most but I mean the reaction we get from the fans and the comments and even riders from other teams you know like I hear Bernie Isel coming up and laughing about things that he saw you know it's fantastic and, and I'd like to see more teams do the similar sort of concept you know we tried it with Sky versus Orica Grange last year we're trying to sort of branch it out a little bit more but you know I'd like to see more teams sort of do something similar. Obviously, uh, you know, you, you show a lot of the character of the team, and I guess you know there's there's a lot of the funny side of, of sport, the, the the good times. But I think one of the things I've noticed, you've, which is what you've touched on, that that balance of of also showing the hardship of the sport, and even moments which are you know quite sensitive for the for the riders. And um, I was just wondering, can you sort of a couple of prime examples of which have been the hardest moments, and also perhaps the funniest moments? Uh, well, one of the toughest was Paris Bay last year. Um, for me, we started doing these sort of director's cut ones and you know I wanted to show people that are not really a one trick pony you know I can sort of mix it up the format and for that year was <clears throat> Matt Heyman had never really, he'd ridden the Paris Bay 13 or 14 times but never really had that true leader's role so he was going into that you know pretty psyched for a good result and then when it didn't happen he had a bit of bad luck just the honesty in his voice you know like after the finish whenever things don't happen the way you want it that's the most awkward time so you don't really want to stick a camera in their face and say hey give us a quote I sort of waited till he calmed down and just said listen mate I'm not going to tell you what to say you just say whatever you want and just the honesty that was coming out in his voice and then the footage of him in the velodrome where he had the realisation that it didn't go to plan you know that, that they have moments that stick out in your head um, but then like funny light hearted stuff I mean take the Giro here I mean we had a, a fan Giorgio just sort of waltz his way onto the bus and do, I challenge any sporting team in the world to do what we did with that fan, you know, made him feel part of it. Why did he kick Peter Weeding out of uh, Garrow's seat so that he could have prime posse for the team meeting? I mean, that sort of stuff. I mean, we don't encourage it. <laughs> Since then, we've had heaps of people wanting to just walk on the bus and uh, get that sort of access. But, I mean, it's, every now and then, it's really cool to show that 
this sport is driven by the fans and, and the sponsors and, and we try and engage with them as much as we can and, and moments like that are pretty cool. I think that's, that's, that is true, you know, the uniqueness of cycling is that um, the intimacy between the rider and the, and the punter, as we are standing here now in Torino for the last stage, you've got crowds all around the buses here, as you said, occasionally one or two just walk straight in, it's like, can you imagine that at a football stadium, someone going into a locker room, into the Hawks locker room? No, that would not happen, Root. Um, but that is probably what makes cycling just that special sport as well. I mean, this, you're not playing in footy arenas. You're going out the front of people's homes, and they're not paying big admission fees. It's all free. And there's not many sports as well, Root, that, like, you know, say going to Hawthorne St Kilda next weekend, we're going to pick our sides, and that's who we're going for. Cycling, the fans cheer for everyone. So that's what makes the sport pretty cool, though. Now, of course, we've got the Tour de France coming up. Um, uh, firstly, have you got any new... You can you give us a couple of teasers of what we may be expecting from backstage pass for, for July? Yeah, look, the tour is a, a trickier one because there's a few more restrictions that are put on me, so our job is to sort of give viewers more of an insight what you won't see on TV. So I'll definitely be going Avon course with Julie in that again. Um, I'm not too sure in terms of... Uh, oh, there you go, the Lamprey bus is just uh, going past. Uh, I'm not too sure about doing another music video, but I've put the feelers out for Jerry uh, to try and pull in some big wigs, like celebrity types, um, that we can get in the car on backstage pass because that's a that's a surefire winner you know if you you were to jag an Eric Banner or something like that to spend a day with the team that would be unreal so I think we're probably trying to go down that path mate Look, I'm going to be kind of busy. I'm not sure I'll be available. But, uh, <laughs> no, uh, Dan, and what about uh, one day? Do you think we'll see the back, backstage pass, the movie? Well, yeah, I think the day that it sort of wraps up and uh, I say, well, it's time to move on to something else, I'll go through the archives and I'll probably put together a 90-minute film on, on the journey because we've documented, I reckon there'd be 500 hours of footage at least. Uh, and if you can't turn something good in 90 minutes out of all that archival footage, then might as well find a different career, mate. I know, I'm, I'm glad you don't uh, film the uh, the Monday uh, lunch after the Tour de France because oh. we may lose the footage, I think. Yeah, uh, you've been uh, privy to a few of those uh, Monday post-tour lunches, mate, and uh, they're, they're one of my highlights of the year. Um, I can't remember too many of them, but uh, I definitely know that uh, they're right up there. Well, here comes Alberto Condor, mate. Look at the stampede. Well, there you go. We talk about the intimacy of the crowds. There's literally hundreds of people just chasing him, and the uh, Saxo team are trying to get through. There goes Olive Tinkoff with his hair pink. Speaking of which, last day uh, uh, sensations. I remember last year's Giro. You put the kit on, you put all the numbers on. Yeah. You wouldn't get be able to do that in, in any other sport, would you? No, no. Um, and I was, I was pretty close to busting that uh, jersey open too. I mean, the biggest size we had was a large. And then uh, to make matters worse, you know, there was a, a 5k climb at the sign-on. Um, but uh, yeah, no, as you said, Ruben, it's a special sport cycling. There's not many that let you sign on for like the Giro, but uh, haven't obviously haven't done it this year. One, uh, the fitness levels sort of plummeted, and uh, two, they they don't have a kit up to like triple XL. <laughs> Well, Dan, look, thanks for that insight. And, uh, you know, just to say thank you for all you do with uh, Backstage Pass and, and the team as well for creating that atmosphere in the team where you're able to fit into that because I know it's really important and it's unique um, in that way and it allows us and all the fans also to see that. And it really is not underestimated what you do, do Dan. And uh, all the very best and have a great uh, Tour de France as well. Good on you, Roop. And uh, even from uh, a fan of your work as well, mate, uh, we're all part of the, the same goal and that is to... Uh, you know, sort of build the brand of cycling to as many people as we can. So uh, even from our side of the fence, mate, big fan of what you do and thanks for having me on your show. Travelling in a freighted combi On a hippie trailhead full of zombies I met a strange lady, she made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast And she said, do you come from a land down under? A women go and men wonder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? You better run, you better take cover
Behind the lens, yeah, 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 yeah. So now he'll um, have to stay steer away from him now during the tour, I think. But yeah, no, look, he, uh, he you know, he's a guy. I think he'll, he'll be doing some great things after he. Uh, not saying he's leaving the team, but when you know, in, the, in his future, he will be. Um, but I think uh, certainly, uh, uh, you know, it's one of the funniest things about Dan Jones. I remember he uh, at the end of the Giro two years ago, when oh last year actually, when they only had two riders there um, left in the team. And it was Frank Tuft and, uh, and um, uh, Michael Hepner. And uh, in the last day, do you know what Dan Jones did? He, he, he got into one of the Olka Greenwich team time trial suits, managed to get into it, and he put every one of the numbers of the guys who weren't there. So for the last sign-in, he went through the crowd, through the Tifosi, and stepped up to sign on uh, on the podium. <laughs> If only the Giro could, he, could you get away with that. The Tour de France, Bernardino would have pushed you off straight away. But, but uh, Dan Jones did the whole thing, and, uh, and the whole team did it okay. And, you know, actually the team actually got permission from the organisers, I understand, that he could do it. So that was really nice that the organisers are able to play into the spirit of, of uh, somebody trying to do something quirky from Australia. So... Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, you, you, you've banked a lot of great interviews while you're the Giro to tell you. Can't wait to see what you're going to bring back to what a ride um, at the Tour de France. I can't wait either. Be, I'm really enjoying it. And, uh, you know, we've got some exciting uh, things planned for the Sydney Morning Herald or slash Fairfax media coverage as well with some videos uh, that I was doing uh, during the Giro. So we're doing more of those and uh, trying to sort of cover it a bit differently this year as well. Obviously, a bit more of a multimedia sort of uh, style because that's a lot of where things are going. But there'll still be the, the usual analysis and everything, which will be online and also uh, in the paper as well. Absolutely. You mentioned the Sydney Morning Herald. That's where they can find your coverage of the Tour de France. Um, where else can they find your coverage for pro cycling and sport? Oh, look, uh, during the Tour de France, it's, it's, it's mainly uh, on Fairfax Media because uh, now that you know, like the events got so big and busy, you really have to focus on, on, on what's you know, your, uh, your main gig. There and um, but th- that's okay. I mean, there's I mean, there's a couple of other you know probably do a bit for cycling news. You know, some insights there and um, um, you know we're seeing uh, 
our good friend Rob Arnold from Ride Magazine. He's going over, so we'll catch up with a chat for him over there. And, and I got a text message this morning from young uh, Zeb Woodpower, the Asia-Pacific editor for mm-hmm. Cycling News, and he's headed over there for the first time. So he's a colleague, and so you'll, you'll be able to see him as well. Well, we, I should actually catch up for a chat with him to see what his impressions of his first tour uh, at, at, at the start yeah. and at the finish. Well, I'd like to just know, because for those uh, listening at home that, that aren't familiar with Zeb, it'll be interesting what style he's going to go with. The, 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 the freshly quaffed look? Or the the bouffant. Oh yeah, the bouffant or the Don Quixote. Uh, oh yes, start. yes. Uh, young Zim Whitbauer. He's older beyond his years for sure. More water ride with Rupert Guinness and Aaron Lee right after this.
And we're back with more What a Ride with Rupert Guinness and Aaron S. Lee. I'm Aaron S. Lee. And I'm Rupert Guinness. You know, we, for those listening at home, obviously we are coming to you uh, from our favorite haunt live, recording live, at the Lord Dudley here in beautiful and stunning Sydney, Australia. On a, on a beautiful winter's day, uh, Rupert Guinness will be heading off shortly, just within the hour or two, to the Tour de France. And, and I'm about two days away from heading over to China for a little Asia tour gathering with 2HC Race, Tour of Shanghai Lakes. And uh, Rupert, uh, just for the folks listening at home again, where can they find your information? Where, where can they find your material? You've come to the sport 30 years, mate. You, you've got to have some avenues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this will be my 27th uh, tour. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be covering it this year again for Fairfax Media, for the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age and uh, all the associated newspapers and websites, online sites. Uh, and um, as I was saying before, um, you know, we'll, we'll be doing some uh, videos, some uh, different interviews with different people. Some more multimedia styled interactive. Is that with Sydney Morning Herald? Will you be doing that for Eurosport this year, like you did with the Giro? No, it's been Sydney Morning Herald. Okay. Yeah, it's been okay. Sydney Morning Herald, focusing mainly you know, on, on Fairfax Media. And uh, they're obviously. That's your bread and butter, mate. That's my bread and butter. Yeah, that's my day job. Yeah. Hello, Ian. <laughs> Hello, Ian Fuse. <laughs> no, but it's 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 uh, it's actually really, really good that the Fairfax Media have sort of got on board with the tour in the last years. Uh, um, particularly since you know Cadell Evans is, um, you know, when, when he came to the fore, and I joined the Fairfax in 2007, and uh, that year he got second, and then uh, Fairfax is committed to sending somebody over every year. Fortunately, I've been that guy, uh, but um, you know, it's 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 a commitment which, um, you know, sounds simple, and a lot of people who are cycling fans may say so it should be, but it should never be assumed it'll happen, you know, because it's a uh, it's from a, a mainstream media point of view. It's still, it's still a fresh sport. It still has to prove itself, and it is proving itself. But every time you go again, you know there is a, a the usual banter of jokes from the office saying I'm going on my holiday and blah blah blah. But there is a fair responsibility to come up with the coverage that justifies uh, paying someone to go there. Well, of course, you and I, we catch up quite often, even off the show. And I remember catching up with you over the weekend. I, I went down to Canberra and uh, had, a, had a beautiful weekend there. I'll tell you, probably more pro cyclists, mountain bikers, and triathletes, BMXers in Canberra than anywhere else in Australia mm. per capita. It's a great, great place to ride and grow up. I, I, I really I rate Canberra as a whole. I, I, not that they're waiting for my approval or anything like that, but uh, I really enjoyed the, the trip down there. But you had a busy weekend covering the other sport that you cover, which is rugby. Rah-rah, rugby. Yeah. yeah. i to ask you, how those Warthals go? Oh, look, it was a pretty <laughs> heavy weekend from that point of view. It didn't go very well at all. Um, and, of course, explain the, the Waratahs being Super Rugby? Waratahs, the New South Wales Waratahs being uh, the Super Rugby team that won last year's Super Rugby title. So they were going for back-to-back uh, titles. Uh, on Saturday night was the semi-final at home at uh, at um, Allianz Stadium at Moore Park in Sydney. And they were playing the Highlanders from New Zealand, from Dunedin. And the Highlanders... Uh, did an absolute job on the Waratahs. There was a controversial penalty try awarded to the Highlanders in the 58th minute, but by no means, no matter whatever the argument is over that, by no means did that uh, make or break the difference. You know, make the difference in whether Waratahs were going to win. They were they were trounced, done and dusted, and uh, that's not the same team as last year. And uh, on the other side of the ditch, over um, in Wellington, the uh, Hurricanes from Wellington who finished top of the table in the round series after 18 rounds, they did a job on the ACT Brumbies, your now favourite uh, rugby team. Well, I'll tell you, not only that, but the Hurricanes being one Scott Ambrose from Team Novo Nordis, his favourite uh, team, as mm. we discussed last week on the show as well. Well, there you go. So it's all linked, isn't it? It's all linked. As a matter of fact, you weren't the only cycling aficionado at the Waratahs. I saw on Instagram, or maybe it had been Facebook, uh, one Luke Davison, an Australian team track pursuit Olympic Rio gold medalist hopeful uh, contender. He was at the Waratahs game as well, taking some photos, mm-hmm. saying go Tars. But, but again, totally said go Tars. Uh, Just like that. Go no. the Tars. Or go the t- good on you. You should tars. be like, go Tars! Yeah, it's hard to get and, that inflection and I if he was on one, social media. I wonder if it was one of the, one of the, the uh, well, was 32,000 there. One of he was one of the 31,998 who, uh, who yelled abuse at referee Craig Joubert for the uh, penalty try, which. I still think it was fairly awarded. That's my point of view. But yeah. 
Now I'm going to get all those 31,989. <laughs> hey, Mel. And, and by the way, you can find Rupert Guinness at Rupert Guinness. Uh, that's with two N's and two S's on Guinness uh, on Twitter, at Rupert Guinness. And, of course, he is on Facebook, and you can befriend him. He'll eagerly accept that. Rupert, uh, you haven't been using your Twitter much. No. I, is it, as a matter of fact, is that going to change, though, Tour de France? Look, no, no, look. Because uh, you know, um, uh, you've got some stats saying Twitter's down. It's on the way out. Well, look, <laughs> put it this way. Facebook is five times more traction. Well, there you Facebook, go. I enjoy Facebook much more. You get, you know, it's a bit more expansive sort of mode, uh, form of uh, communication than 140 characters. And um, uh, it's not, not a very... Uh, look, I, I prefer Facebook. I'll leave it at that. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that uh, you cover rugby... For the City Morning Herald, obviously we've just we've been talking about that. Well, I cover I cover pro triathlon on the side, but we still come back to pro cycling. And again, nothing bigger than this month in pro cycling. While I'm going to China, you're going to France. There's nothing bigger than the Tour de France. It is one of the biggest sports spectacles yeah. in the world. When, when you're in China, it'll be interesting to see how uh, how news filters back to China. And how does that does, does the Tour de France become the brief of the uh, you know like. Does that become the main story? And meanwhile, it, it'll be interesting. Chris Froome won the fifteenth stage. Well, I'll have that. I'll have that information for you, <laughs> <laughs> and we can exchange notes. We will be conducting more water ride while we are apart. So we'll be bringing your daily dose of cycling, triathlon, endurance sport, bit of rugby. So uh, and, and please feel free to log on and to Twitter or Facebook and, and find us. We're there. You can't miss it. Rupert Guinness. There's only too. one. Absolutely. Rupert Guinness on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram. Um, same, Aaron S. Lee, but you can find me at Aaron Shane Lee on Twitter, Facebook. Give us questions, send us emails, send us, let us know what you what you want to hear, and we'll answer it and uh, in due time, as, as soon as we can, actually. But uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I want to talk to you about before we head out, this is going to be a bit of a bridge show because you've got a, you've got a plane to catch. You mentioned 27 years of the Tour de France. Do you have a favorite memory? Uh, is, is there one memory? Is there something that stands out that you just go... You know what? That, and it could be something that has nothing to do with the race itself. Oh, one, well, one standout moment. Yeah. Um, or can you just pull one? <laughs> look, <coughs> excuse me. I think. Look, I mean, it's, it's going to take a lot to. I mean, it's, it's obvious, and it's going to take a lot to beat it because I, I, I longed for it for so long to cover it. But that was obviously Cadell's win. You know, in that day when he walked into the uh, after the time trial in Grenoble, and he walked into the press room for his tour winners press conference it's pretty hard to beat the emotion of that but uh, so that's probably I can choose the good the bad and the ugly or the good you know so that's probably the best moment the, the worst moment was still that still stands out with me was the death of Fabio Casatelli um, in uh, the um, in the tour when he, uh, when he when in the Pyrenees and they crashed and um, you know it was a knocky was sort of crash but it was so costly and it was so drawn out and and we're in the middle of the Pyrenees, and it was such a long day. And and um, in that particular, you know, he rode from Motorola, and, and that, I saw him that morning, and I said to someone, "Gee, he's the one guy, the team I've never written a story about, because I was following Motorola very closely." And then, little did you know, it was going to be the story would write about him was going to be the worst story you could possibly imagine. And then, um, uh, and then you've got—I still remember my first tour. I always will, you know, turning up, flying into West Berlin. Um, I took a flight from London. We flew into West Berlin. We had to. F- I remember dipping the planes. Di- the wings dipped as we flew across. We saw the wall between East and West uh, Berlin, and um, you know, uh, you know, it was kind of it was quite a spectacular view from above, seeing two worlds apart. And uh, obviously, we landed into West Berlin, and for me, that was the start of um, you know the buzz of that. Uh, that day has continued most for the most part ever since then, for, since 1987. Uh, and one little odd moment, um, I'd have to say, I'd have to stay. Uh, I will, yeah, I will tell you. Well, I thought it was funny. Uh, maybe our, our erstwhile colleague Andy Hood didn't think it was funny. I know he didn't at the time. Andy Hood, the European correspondent for Velo News, him and I are in the car one night, and we're looking for. Um, a hotel and it was one of those one o'clock in the morning things and we can't find the hotel then we get to it and it's got the, the front gr- the front uh, uh, gate is closed and um, I'm doing a radio broadcast back to uh, ABC Grandstand and we're in the middle of France and Andy Hood 
He's an American guy, but he lives in Spain. He loves the late nights and how everything stays open late at night. In France, during the Tour de France, everything closes so early. And anyway, Andy's sort of frustration was building over the days. And there we were, just sort of um, at the hotel. Andy said, I, I said to Andy, I've got to make this quick phone call. I was going to do this radio broadcast. He said, OK, I'll go and check. You know, and, he, and he checks, the gate's closed. And we can't even get the car in. And while I'm being asked by ABC Grandstand, must be amazing, Ruth, with the atmosphere and the ambience of the tour, the, the festival spirit and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, you know, it's in the darkness of night and there's nothing going on around. And suddenly all you hear in the background is, God damn effort, France, fucking, fucking, And there's Andy kicking the gate. I had to just press on the little um, uh, button, shut the window. Said, oh, yeah, the atmosphere is fantastic in France. And it's just, I remember looking out the window, just seeing Andy kicking and belting this, uh, this, uh, this door in. But anyway. Typical American, though. That's what I was. Andy. I just shook my head a bit. Absolutely. <laughs> Great story. And by the way, you can, we, we, had, we had Andrew Hood. We had Andy Hood at Euro Hoodie mm-hmm. uh, on the show on episode two. We had his colleague from Bella News and also Cycling Weekly, Gregor Brown. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be uh, traveling with me in the tour. And we've also Your got another... personal attache. <laughs> no, no, don't <laughs> tell him that. We've also got an extra little special guest this year. Uh, David Wolf will be back in the car oh. and I, from the I... Sunday Times. Now, that being said... Seven I, Deadly Sins. Yes. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, it's gonna, there'll be some good stories there, and hopefully we'll catch some of those on, on Water Ride. Yeah, I know, yeah. We get, I'll definitely have a chat to him you know, for you all during Water Ride. Because uh, I think you guys have a movie in common coming up soon. Yeah, uh, well, he, he has his movie. Yes, yes. yes, yes. Well, again, he has his movie. I, there's, uh, uh, there is a cameo appearance by somebody pretending to be me yeah, yeah. Yes, supposedly which you can catch on the trailer again you can log on to Water Ride Radio um, Facebook and you'll, you'll get that trailer there is no Water Ride <laughs> <laughs> Radio um, Facebook at the moment anyway listen uh, Root we know you've got to go you got to head out of here thank you so much for joining us again today obviously we couldn't do this show it's 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 this is a love. This is a love, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's great, Aaron. And uh, but I wish you all the best in China, mate. Stay safe. And, and, and by the way, for the record, for the record, yeah. it is the highest elevation pro cycling race in the world. So there you go. Is it the highest? So there you go. So like elevation, like from bottom the, to top, the, or yeah, from, yeah, right for, to... for the for the entire race, oh, it is held at the highest elevation. See, okay, well that's interesting. Yeah, well, you, you can't say that about your race. Oh, dear. Well, you better stay safe and stay well because you could get a bit, uh, you know, you get hypoxia. Is that what you call no, it? I think you could. I'm you not really, something that says oxia anyway. Yeah, I'm not really. I'm not really sure. And listen, I, uh, Rupert and I both live in in Sydney, Australia, which even on a, on a winter's day is a beautiful oh, it's sunny. It's gorgeous. Day. I do not own any winter clothes, but I mean, it's got to be cheap in China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just purchased them there, and uh, and hopefully when when um, our book comes out, we can talk more about my trip to China <laughs> and and what and the ordeal that, that took to get there. Um, speaking of books, you did mention uh, you've written thirteen. We talked about the Tour de France. You talked about one of your favorite moments, which was Cadell Evans. You actually chronicled that book with Cadell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was just a sort of inside story on on his win from the sort of started from the end of. His previous tour, 2010, which ended in disaster, sort of looking at what he got out of that, how he felt after that, and then rebuilded himself and his team and his goals and focus, and and uh, just went through to the point where he uh, ultimately bagged and jagged it, stacked and racked it, and said, "Thank you, ma'am." Uh, absolutely, which is hopefully what we're going to do. Uh, <laughs> as we as we take two different flights to two different sides of the world, and if it sounds like a good gig. It is. <laughs> what a ride. What a ride. Thank you, Rupert. Terrific, Aaron. All the best.